Earlier today, I tweeted that if cities want to defund or abolish the police, who am I to stand in their way? Let them do it. And if crime skyrockets and they come to regret it, then they can come out and say it. Or if they get their utopia and it works out, why would I stand in their way? In Portland, they have dropped charges on tons of these rioters over and over again over the past several years. It's what the people of this city want. When the grand jury is convened to indict these felony arsonists, one person in particular, they said no. So who am I to tell them what they should or shouldn't do? If the city, if they will, if they will it, then so be it. No police. However, it would seem that the experiment may already be coming to an end. You probably know this because you've clicked on this video. New York is already seeing activists and community leaders rise up and say enough. The police reform is bad. It's making crime worse. We need to stop all this amid a pretty uh, all this amid a pretty devastating backdrop. Weekly NYC shootings soar 358 percent over last year data shows. And this was from almost a month ago. And here we are in the wake of continued gun violence. Prominent members of the black community are calling on the NYPD to bring back their anti-crime unit. Whoa, wait a minute. I thought the anti-crime unit were the ones doing stop and frisk. The activists said that was extremely racist. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought that's what the anti-crime unit was doing. The goal was prevent the crime by stopping young men, searching them for drugs or other contraband. Well, since they reassigned this unit, there has been an inc- uh, a dramatic increase in crime. Now the community is speaking up. They're saying enough. Interestingly, we also learned from this just how out of touch Ocasio-Cortez is, because she stated publicly that one of the reasons for the rise in crime is that people can't afford their rent. Maybe they're hungry, she says. That doesn't explain why shootings are skyrocketing. Interestingly, I had this story pulled up because it was published last night. Community activists are speaking up saying we need the police. But you might notice for those that are watching this video up at the top, it says community leaders call for change after six people shot in one hour in Brooklyn. Why? In the midst of my preparation for this segment, a new story popped up. Breaking news, CBS, more community leaders are speaking out saying we need our police. So I'll walk back a bit a bit of what I said in the beginning. If the activists come out and say defund the police, no, you absolutely should not. And I am grateful that there are members of the community who are speaking up saying stop it. Enough. We need our police. We do. Now, when it comes to police enforcing unconstitutional edict for Mayor Bill de Blasio, no, that's not acceptable. And to a certain extent, neither is stop and frisk. But I will defer to the people who live in these areas. Perhaps the great experiment will not be carried out and the police will be reinstated from this anti-crime unit. Perhaps they'll uh, uh, give this uh, give the NYPD their budget back. We'll see. But certainly now we have two factions emerging, defund the police and fund the police, I guess. Well, let's read this story and see what's going on in New York. We'll see what AOC has to say. And she is being torn apart for claiming that gun violence is due to people wanting bread, I guess. It shows how really out of touch she is. She does not represent New York. Before we get started, however, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give. But the best thing you can do is actually, well, I'll say it this time, subscribe to this channel. 
I noticed that a lot of people, probably the overwhelming majority, don't actually subscribe. But when you do, you're telling YouTube the channel is actually good. The engagement. So also like, you can share the video, but subscribing really does help. And plus, if you subscribe, you're more likely to see videos from me in the future. So if you like the content, then please consider subscribing. But let's read the news. CBS says, in the wake of continued uh, gun violence, prominent members of the black community call on NYPD to bring back the anti-crime unit. They say, another tragic weekend of gun violence, including the death of a one-year-old. Two members of the black community called on the NYPD to bring back the recently disbanded anti-crime unit to help get guns off the street. It was a dramatic moment. Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams holding up a pair of baby shoes Monday after a one-year-old became the latest victim of gun violence caught in the crossfire at a family barbecue just hours before. Babies are not supposed to be wearing these in a coffin, Adams said. Man, you hate to hear it, dude. I, 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 it's, it's difficult sometimes to read these stories. I'm imagining a family enjoying a burger, a, a, a brat, a beer with their friends, their one-year-old baby. And for some reason, some callous, egotistical, amoral person fires a gun and it takes the life of this one-year-old child. It's absolutely disgusting. And so we can have conversations about freedom, security, but come on, man. How do we stop this violence? I'm not going to pretend to have all the answers, but I can tell you this. Just reassigning, disbanding a 600-unit anti-crime unit is not the solution. Dramatic reversals like this. For all we know, and I think it's fair to say, if the NYPD, if, if Bill de Blasio didn't react the way he did to the demands of these rioters, this baby girl might still be alive. I believe it was a girl. I could be wrong. Let's read more. Adams, a former cop, became the second member of the African-American community to call on the NYPD to stop the violence by reinstituting the anti-crime unit, undercover cops whose job was to get guns off the street. The unit was disbanded during the anti-cop protests that shook the city. I think that a, a total elimination is something we need to reevaluate, said Adams. Right now, bad guys are saying if you don't see a blue and white, you can do whatever you want. Community activist Tony Herbert agrees. The guns keep going off and now we have a one year old and the blood is on the hands of the mayor and the state legislature, said Herbert. Bill de Blasio decried the shootings. This is not anything we can allow in our city. It is heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking for so many reasons and begins with the fact there are just so many guns out there and that is a New York tragedy. But the mayor did not propose any new solutions to ending the violence. This, as shootings for the week, went up 277% since last year. The number of victims is up 253% since last year. John Jay College professor Joe Giaclone, a former cop, said the city has been eroding the ability of the cops to get guns off the streets for years. The latest, the disbanding of the anti-crime unit. The gun police are no longer out there, said Giaclone. The criminals are opportunists. You know that. Well, as I was preparing the segment, as I mentioned, a breaking news segment. Community leaders call for change after six people shot in one hour in Brooklyn. This story drops. Take a look at this. New York City's gun violence continued Monday with six people shot in just one hour. The spike in violence is prompting uh, more calls for action from community leaders. So much pain is being caused, so much fear because of this spate of shootings. We have to find a way to beat it. And we do that by bringing police and community together in common cause. 
That's what's always worked. Mayor, Mayor Bill de Blasio said during Tuesday's press briefing, we've got to think of this as human beings. We've got to think of this as people, New Yorkers committed to the same thing. We need safety for our people. We need peace in our communities. Mayor Bill de Blasio, however, unfortunately seems to be a bit distracted. You see, just uh, the other day, I guess somebody splashed some paint onto the Black Lives Matter street painting in front of Trump Tower. And he said, you know, we've we've fixed this already. I'm glad I'm glad that this is what you're, you're spending your time doing, Mayor Bill de Blasio, because, you know, certainly the people of New York are very concerned about the health and well-being of a painting. Yeah, let's be real, man. You've been having serious problems in this city for a long time. That's why many people left. Now, to a certain extent, I will say it's a very difficult thing to maintain. It's a massive city, I'm sure. But you had the Jewish community under attack. And what did Mayor Bill de Blasio do? He just added insult to injury started targeting their prayer services during the COVID pandemic, welding a, a, a lock, or, or I believe he welded a park shut. Absolutely absurd. For him to come out now, you think I'm going to buy it? No, I don't buy it. I don't think he cares. He's too busy trying to uh, win PR battles and, and paint the street than actually deal with what's going on. Mayor Bill de Blasio is overseeing the one of the worst tragedies in modern history, New York City the most devastated by COVID. And whose fault was that? Bill de Blasio's. Now you're seeing a massive surge in gun violence. Whose fault is that? Bill de Blasio's. It is his fault across the board. And these, these screeching protesters demanding the defunding of the police, they also deserve some blame. But it came down to the executive of this jurisdiction, stripping a billion dollars from the NYPD at a time when crime was going up. And this is what you get. A child has lost their life. Well, I'm glad to see the community is standing up and saying, bring back these cops. We need our cops. They did. But I thought there were all these problems, man. What about what about the institutional racism and all that stuff? I don't know, because it seems like the people who live there, members of the black community are saying, no, we need the police. I want to be very careful about how I bring up these stories, man, because they're 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 sad and they're tragic stories. But I bring you now to to the New York Post grandmother of fatally shot NYC baby has message for idiots responsible. The, the, the grandmother of the one-year-old Brooklyn boy, I'm sorry, it was a boy, it wasn't a girl, killed in a hail of bullets at a barbecue, made an anguished plea Monday to end the scourge of gun violence and ensure the idiots responsible can never hurt anyone else. I feel for you, I really do, but I just don't think it's going to stop this way. You do need the police. New York's got a lot of problems. I'm actually in favor of police reform, I am. But perhaps we need to go about it much more slowly. These a-holes need to stop shooting children, stop shooting innocent bystanders. Samantha Gardner told The Post at her Bedford-Stuyvesant home. This is only a baby, one year old, that didn't even get a chance to start his life. They are talking about Black Lives Matter. But Black Lives don't matter because Black people are trying to kill other Black people. It needs to stop, she added. I hope they catch the idiots and put them under the jail cell. Those aren't my words. I'm reading you a quote from people actually impacted by this. The community that is now coming out saying enough, we need safety for our people. Well, Bill de Blasio says, but I don't believe it. Take a look at this. Clergy and community activists like Tony Herbert called out the mayor Tuesday warning that signing more police reforms will jeopardize the safety of residents. Reforms? Man, I'm in favor of reforms, but you're saying no? Hey, I'll defer to you. We spent a lot of time saying Black Lives Matter. 
talking about what we need to do to actually listen to the people who are being negatively impacted. Well, I'm definitely listening. And if you are coming out and speaking up and saying that police reforms are going to make things worse, I hear you. Then do what you think is right. Advocate for what you think is right. Because certainly the actions taken as of recent did not help. I defer to those who live in these communities. I hear the anguished plea of this of this poor grandmother who is she is slamming Black Lives Matter for not caring about them. And it's funny when people mention this stuff, you know, inner city crime and black on black violence, they get they they, they get uh, smeared, slammed, insulted, saying you don't really care. It's a red herring. You're lying. I'm not saying it. Don't take my word for it. I defer to these communities. What is AOC saying? Ocasio-Cortez, in the wake of this violence, comes out with one of the most tone-deaf responses for someone who's supposed to be representing this community. AOC's dishonest, callous answer to NYC's surging street violence from the Post editorial board. Rep. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's reaction to the surge of violence in the city she represents is dishonest, callous, and naive. Quote, do we think this has to do with the fact that there's record unemployment in the United States right now? The progressive said in a town hall Thursday, maybe this has to do with the fact that people aren't paying their rent and are scared to pay their rent. And so they go out and they need to feed their child and they don't have any money. So you maybe have to, they're put in a position where they feel like they either need to shoplift some bread or go hungry that night. Shoplifting is not what is plaguing New York City right now. And she knows it. Petty larceny is, are down 7.8% for the year so far. Murders are up 23%. The number of shooting victims up 70.4%. These are not robberies uh, by desperate people. They are gang-related, drug-related, gun-related. When a man is shot dead in a drive-by clutching the hand of a six-year-old daughter in a crosswalk, it is not about going hungry. Callous. On July 4th weekend alone, 10 were killed, almost everyone an African-American male. For this increase in bloodshed, AOC blames the NYPD. Keep in mind that this uptick in crime that's happening right now is with a $6 billion New York City Police Department budget. We have shoved more and more and more into the NYPD. It has not prevented this uptick in crime. How dare Ocasio-Cortez say that in the face of actual clergy leaders, residents, grandmothers of victims crying out for help? These activists don't know. They don't care. But I tell you, the tribalism is an illness itself. Ocasio-Cortez is more committed to the cause than she is to the cries of the people of her own city. I lived in New York for a long time and I left because I could see how bad it was getting. Now, look, it's not the worst place in the world. Crime isn't that bad in New York City, but it is skyrocketing now and it must be called out. For AOC and all these other activists to come out and say, no, defund the police is the most privileged, elitist thing I have ever heard. These people don't realize, people like AOC, just what's truly happening on the street, where they live. There's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons why crime probably skyrockets. I'm not going to pretend to be the expert to know exactly why. And that's why what I would say is I defer to those who live there. But what is AOC doing? She's deferring to the privileged activists who come from safe neighborhoods who don't need police or they have their police, but they're very safe, upscale neighborhoods that aren't experiencing gang related, drug related crime or, or mass violence. They come from less dense areas where they feel safe and they don't think that they need police to be there for them. 
They don't even think they need, they need the right to defend themselves. Oh, who needs a firearm? Who needs the cops? I get it. You come from a safe, privileged area. But how could you then come to the Bronx, come to these neighborhoods where crime is, crime is skyrocketing and just ignore the pleas of the people? You know what? I, I can't say I'm surprised. AOC has been rather tone deaf the entire time she's been in politics. Huckabee hits back at AOC's astonishing take on rising NYC crime. Absurdity must be called out. Former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee called AOC, called her comments on New York's uh, New York City's crime uptick astonishing. There's a big difference between shoplifting and cold-blooded murder. And for her not to know the difference is frankly astonishing. Huckabee, a Fox News contributor, told America's Newsroom on Monday. We also have Cuomo himself. Uh, uh, Andrew Cuomo dismisses AOC's claims about NYC crime uptick and rent struggles. It is factually impossible. Now, this is interesting. I wonder what the governor has to say, considering he's actually, you know, fairly anti-Trump. I wonder if he's going to actually defend the police on this one. Governor Cuomo on Monday disputed AOC's theory that rent struggles could be could be to blame for the recent crime wave, calling the suggestion factually impossible, saying it is factually impossible that somebody committed a crime so that they could pay their rent, the governor said, noting that the recent crime uptick is dominated by shootings and other violent offenses. Hey, you know what? Bravo. Good, sir. I got my I got my criticisms of Cuomo for sure, especially over COVID. But thank you for calling out AOC and calling it like it is. The governor also argued AOC's reasoning isn't sound because he has signed executive orders and legislation, specifically the Tenant Safe Harbor Act, ensuring New Yorkers can't be kicked out of their homes for not being able to pay rent during the pandemic. If you can't pay your rent, you cannot be evicted right now. As to the cause of the crime wave, he said there's a number of contributing factors. There's no one factor. Maybe you should speak up, Cuomo, and say it's because a 600 officer unit was disbanded, the anti-crime unit. And maybe you should now defend those who live in the community who are saying, please bring them back. That would be particularly important. But what do we see instead? PBA president fumes after suspect seen on video putting NYPD officer in headlock is not charged. This is what you get in New York City. It's what I warned you about happening in Portland. I'll say it again. Somebody bragged about committing arson in Portland. They bragged about it. They were arrested at the scene. And a grand jury said, no, we will not indict. Grand juries do not prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. It's probable cause. Should this person face charges? The community in Portland says no. The people in this city say no. So they get right back out and they go and do it again. Now we're going to see something similar in New York. You had a man attack a police officer. Have you seen the videos over the past several months or, or you know, year or so where like people will be throwing water balloons and splashing cops with waters uh, uh, with water and using water guns and stuff like that? And the cops do nothing. They laugh about it. Yeah, the activism has weakened the police. They've been standing back. They've been they've been abused, demoralized. There's no clear answer. Politics has dominated whether or not they can do their jobs. And you have a video of somebody putting a cop in a headlock and they will not charge this person. Why? They're scared of the mob. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that activists for these neighborhoods are speaking up and saying enough. I'm glad I am. But at a certain point, man, I got to tell you, if these people won't charge these criminals, 
If the people of these neighborhoods support defunding the police, then why should I say otherwise? Now I'll leave it to them. AOC wants to give you some fake excuse. Fine. There are people in these, in these, in these areas that are speaking out. I'm glad. It's going to be up to you if you live there to stand up for what you believe in. So that to the people who are doing it, bravo. Other people are resisting, but crime is skyrocketing and something needs to be done to save these kids. I don't have all the answers. I don't. But I'll tell you what. There's one thing that typically guarantees the police are strengthened. The crime is shut down fast. And it's when you target the, the, the politicians themselves. Take a look at this story. LA's first black district attorney slams Black Lives Matter for targeting her after her husband pulled a gun on protesters at their home and says defunding the police would lead to lawlessness. Hey, there you go. They showed up to the DA's house and she was like, no, we're not defunding the police. Yeah, there you go. Big mistake, activists. When the protesters show up to the homes of the politicians themselves, oh, there comes the iron fist. Take a look at the Chaz, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone in Seattle. Mayor Jenny Durkin of Seattle let this go on and people died. And she did not care. We may have a summer of love, she said, as bullets went flying. But then these Chazians, these Chazistanis made a big mistake. They actually showed up to her house. And with that, she said, you cross me and I crush you. And the police swept in and wiped out the Chaz. These people could have had anything they wanted so long as they pledged their fealty to these politicians. Nope. So what do you think happens when they show up to the DA's house? Her husband pulls a gun and she says, no, I, I'll tell you what. It's really, really funny. I can't show you the images of this guy pulling the weapon. But what's happening in St. Louis when these lawyers drew their weapons, stood you know, in defiance of this mob, they're facing potential indictment. That's the rumor they said, potential indictment. Here you have the DA's husband herself, uh, there, there's himself, the, the DA's family pulling a weapon. Well, I imagine they'll come back. But who's going to prosecute the DA? A special prosecutor? I really doubt it. You know what we get when there's no cops? It's not so much to say lawlessness, but yeah, a bit of it. There's a funny post that goes around talking about shopping carts. I believe they claim it was from, I think, Danzig, the singer or something. The shopping cart is the ultimate symbol of whether or not we need police because there's no benefit to you returning a shopping cart to the cart corral. But it's simply expected that you just do the right thing and take a few seconds to do it. It's not difficult. It's extremely easy. There's no upside. There's no downside. And what happens when you go to the supermarket, the Walmart, the Target, what do you see? There's shopping carts everywhere. And therein lies the unfortunate reality of why I personally am not a big L libertarian, meaning like the libertarian party or, or anarcho-capitalist or whatever. I see a lot of these people talk about not needing police, not all of them, but many of them. And I just disagree. I think you need the police. I really think you do. I think reform is fine to ask for. And I think it's, it's, it's needed. But perhaps the grand experiment has already failed. The DA is saying straight up, nope, not happening here. Crime is skyrocketing to a ridiculous degree in New York City. And the mayor is too distracted to make sure he's got a painting in front of Trump's building so we can win some PR battles. Meanwhile, the people of New York are crying out and begging for help. And what do they get? Nothing. Empty platitudes, statements from activists and disdain and ignorance, callousness from their reps like Ocasio-Cortez. It's sad, man. But I'll tell you what, so long as these the, the rioters, so long as they're the ones who win and are given preferential treatment, it's only going to get worse, man. Because you're not just going to be dealing with a, with, with a surge in murders and shootings. 
you're going to be dealing with a surge in riots. You're going to be you're dealing with a surge of uh, a surge in people fleeing these these uh, these areas. And it's already happening in New York. I did a search over on Zillow. It's a real estate website. And I found that in the past month, 7,600 new uh, properties went up for sale. But in the past 90 days, there were only 12,000. What does that mean? That means, you know, I'm doing the math and it's not perfect math. But three months ago, there were about 2,500 or so, 2,300 or so individuals who wanted to sell their property. Month later, about the same number. In one month, it nearly tripled because of the chaos of New York City. The tax base will erode. Everything will get worse. And you can thank Ocasio-Cortez and the activists and the rioters for doing it. You can thank Mayor Bill de Blasio for working with, the, you know, to whatever extent they stripped the NYPD of their anti-crime unit. And then to be honest, you can really thank the, the activists who are saying, please give our police back their jobs. Please bring them back to help fight this crime. Those are the people who actually deserve your respect. And you can actually thank them for trying to fight for you. It's going to get worse, unfortunately. I really do think it will. New York is not going to pull out of this tailspin anytime soon. So with that being said, it's important that people start speaking up. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. I have a prediction that I'm fairly sure is going to come true. But first, some context. Appearing on Tucker Carlson tonight, Mark McCloskey said the rumor is he and his wife will be indicted shortly. If you're not familiar with who Mark McCloskey is, he's the guy in St. Louis who defended his home with a rifle when the Black Lives Matter rioters entered the private community and in the process broke down his gate. He says they threatened his life. Then he and his wife came out with guns. He had a rifle. She had a handgun. She was pointing at the crowd. Well, recently, the police executed a search warrant of his house and they seized his rifle. And he said something rather interesting on the Tucker Carlson Carlson show that he, he basically defended these police officers saying, you know, they, they, they seemed like they didn't want to be there and they were just doing their jobs when they seized his weapon. Many people have pointed out that seizing his rifle in the circumstance is unconstitutional. He was on his own property. It's a castle doctrine state. These people entered a private community and he says they threatened him. And well, I believe him. But regardless of whether or not I believe him or don't, innocent until proven guilty. Why did the police come in and seize this weapon? What did he do? We can see the video. He's on his own property with his own weapon, defending his own property. What did he do? Well, they took his rifle and he basically defended them. So here's my prediction. My prediction is he will absolutely be indicted. And when the police show up and arrest him, he will still defend the police. And so will basically everyone else. They'll say, well, you know, these cops are just doing their jobs. Oh, I am so sick of it. I am. I am done with it. Okay. When you look at what's going on in Portland, okay, these ongoing riots, and we'll get to this next, I'm wondering why the police are, are completely unable to learn, and they just come out doing the exact same things over and over again. There's an old internet trope. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and, and, and expecting a different outcome. Why is anyone at this point defending the police officers who are carrying out what they would say is unconstitutional orders? From the lockdown till now, there has been an endless amount of complaints about the police going out and executing things that they're not legally allowed to do, and they do it anyway. How many sheriffs did we hear from, say, in Virginia or around the country said they would not enforce unconstitutional law? We had a segment go viral on CNN a couple days ago 
where a sheriff said that he's not going to be the mask police, that he refuses to enforce these rules because, well, they're basically not constitutional. And people defend those cops, and I can respect that. But you know, when it comes to these big cities, for some reason online, I just people keep people keep defending the police when they do the same things over and over again, and they expect a different outcome. In Portland, you have all of these rioters get arrested, charged, felony charges. And what happens? The people, the grand juries, the residents of Portland say no to the police and let them go. So what are you doing? Why are you going out and arresting people if the people told you to stop doing it, period? They don't want you there. Nobody likes you. Why would anyone defend someone doing something nobody likes? I just don't understand. If the people of Portland want mass violence in their streets, maybe it's about time you actually let them have it. We'll get to that story next. But you know what really bothers me is this segment. They're going to indict this guy. Come on, man. He didn't do anything for the most part. But they're saying they're going to indict him. We'll see if they actually do. But at this point, I'm entirely convinced we're going to see a wave of people saying, well, I don't blame the police. They're just doing their jobs. Yeah, okay. If the police weren't violating the Constitution, then we wouldn't have to be dealing with this. If every cop said, I refuse to enforce what I view as unconstitutional, I refuse to just do my job, we wouldn't have to deal with this. But no, instead, people say, well, you know, it is unconstitutional, but I'm going to do it anyway with a smile on their face. Over in uh, this, this, at, at this gym, not too far from me in New Jersey, major national news was made when police from other cities came in because New Jersey called them in and they violated the constitutional rights of people who wanted to go to a gym. Why? Because they don't care. I'm not going to defend these people with a smile on their face. Come over here. I'm going to violate the Constitution, take a Constitution, take a dump right all over it. Yet we still see this. Well, you know, the police, they seemed like, you know what, man? No, shut up. These guys came, and if they did something wrong, say they did something wrong. Grow a spine. Check this out. I know it's kind of funny me saying that the dude literally went on his property with a rifle because he didn't want people to burn down his building. But when he says, if it wasn't for, you know, me defending myself, I I could be standing atop the smoldering rubble of my home, then how about you condemn the enforcers who are violating your rights? Let's read this story, and then I'll talk about Portland. Missouri man who guarded home with rifle reveals that rumor is he and his wife will be indicted shortly. They say last week authorities executed a search warrant at the McCloskey's home in connection with the June 28th incident. Mark McCloskey told host Tucker Carlson the officers were almost apologetic when they served the warrant. Oh, I'm so sorry. I have to violate your rights. Please forgive me. They didn't want to have to be there. They were doing their job. Patty wanted to take a picture to document it, and she asked if they wouldn't mind facing away from the camera so that people wouldn't get mad at them if their faces were shown on TV. How pathetic. Pathetic. You know why the left wins? You know why they're, 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 they're taking ground? You know why they're getting whatever they want? Because they'll take a picture of your face. They'll plaster it all over the internet. They'll destroy your life. They'll call your boss. They'll call your mom. They'll post pictures of your mother and they will threaten you and nothing ever gets done about it. They will show up for 45 days in a row in Portland, smashing things, burning things, and they will show your face to everyone. They are ruthless. And hey, you know what? My respect. Now, I don't agree with them. The violence is wrong, but you got to admit, at least they have spines. It's really, really funny, too, because they're kind of like whiny babies that don't understand how the system actually works. But I'll tell you what. You know what I really, really don't like more than anything, anything? I'll tell you this. The show I hated more than any other TV show was Married with Children. You familiar with Married with Children? Yeah, it was on in the 90s, late 80s. One of the most popular shows at the time. But it was about a loser. 
It was about a guy whose, whose life was miserable, who hated everything, was always complaining. And I just said, why would I want to watch a show with this guy so I can feel better because I'm better than him? That's disgusting. I want to watch shows where I'm inspired by heroes who stand up in the face of adversity and say, no, you move. And what do we get here? I know you're, you're, you're violating our rights, officers, but I don't want to cause you any undue uh, distress. So, so thanks. I'm sorry, man. Antifa goes out there every night violating the rights of other people. They need to be stopped. That I get. But the problem is in places like Portland, when it comes to a grand jury, and I've got the story, I'll show you, the people of Portland tell the prosecutors, we will not indict. You got one guy arrested on felony arson who admitted to his friends he did it, and the grand jury said no. Hey, man, that's solidarity. Maybe the police should say, if you don't want them arrested, we won't arrest them. Stop defending the people who refuse to do what needs to be done, standing up for themselves, filing lawsuits and challenging those who would violate their rights. No, in this instance, when they say, you know, they didn't want to have to be there. So we made sure not to show who they were when they were violating our rights. Yeah, no accountability. But fine, I get it. I get why you want to do it, because you don't want to cause that harm. Well, then what about when they come to your house and seize your property when you think you didn't do anything wrong? Drop to your knees, McCloskey. I'm sure it's a whole lot of fun. When you put out that statement from your lawyer saying you supported Black Lives Matter and always have, that helped, didn't it? And this is not going to help you. And it's not going to help anybody when you don't say, I don't care who you are. If you violate the law and you violate my rights, I want you held accountable. But this is not what we get. In Portland, when they smash windows and bash the feds, there was a guy who got bashed in the head with a hammer. What do we get? The left refuses to call them out. They stand by it. The senators, the governors, the mayors, they just turn a blind eye and say, I don't know, they're feds, not us. We don't care. And then when Trump actually, well, not even Trump, when, the, when these federal officers, these marshals actually try to, to quell the civil unrest and, and strike back, what happens? They stand up and they scream, Trump has sent an occupying army into Portland. This is why the left keeps gaining ground. They won't back down. They will shriek. They will whine. They will complain. Now, look, it is akin to a temper tantrum, but at least a temper tantrum is the willingness to stand up, isn't it? They unfortunately are stuck between a circuit attorney, Kim Gardner, that wants to prosecute us and their own belief that we did nothing wrong. Excuse me? The police believe you did nothing wrong? Oh, that's just great. The cops walk up and they go, you didn't do anything wrong. So we're going to violate your rights with a smile on our face. Bravo, McCloskeys. You know, people thought you had a spine. When I saw that photo, I said, hey, man, good on them for standing up for themselves or defending themselves. Now, I got to admit, I don't know if the way he went about it is the right thing to do. He doesn't necessarily know how to handle the weapon that he had. But this is going to keep happening. And you know what? What, what? what should I expect from any of these people, any of the cops? The cops are, are, listen, in Portland, I bring this up because I've been going on for 45 days, but even in St. Louis, in Chicago, in New York, in Fort Worth, they keep letting the rioters go. They will let them go. And guess what's going to happen? They'll come for the McCloskeys who will then get on their knees and say, Is, am, I, am I bowing enough? Am I bowing enough? Thank you. Thank you, state, for, for arresting me and, and releasing the rioters who destroyed our cities. Thank you. I'll, I'll make sure not to show your face when you violate my rights and you admit what is this? Their own belief that we did nothing wrong. Amazing. Those cops, they don't got spines either. None of these people do. In the June 30 incident, McCloskey said they were startled shortly before dinner time when 300 to 500 people entered the gated community where they live. He said, I didn't shoot anybody. I just held my ground protecting my house. 
And I'm sitting here on television tonight instead of dead or putting out the smoldering embers of my home. If you just retreated into your house, it probably would be burned to the ground, as you just said, Carlson told McCloskey. But is that how society should function? I mean, shouldn't someone in authority in the state of Missouri be coming to your aid right about now? Yeah. You know why they don't? Because these people won't stand up for themselves. If you're just going to keep releasing people, if, if the media is going to function the way they do, saying peaceful protesters burn down a police precinct, when you've got all of these stories about arson and violence and riots, and they say peaceful protesters in Portland, they say the police fired upon peaceful protesters who were throwing back tear gas rocks and bottles at the cops. Then why should I expect anything from anybody else? You know, I, I, I'd be willing to stand up and call this out and I'll do it right now. The McCloskeys, in my opinion, are as it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. The McCloskeys are almost as close as you can get to city, you know, uh, people actually standing up to the mob and the violence as close as you can get. And then once they realize how bad it is, they apologize for the police who are the enforcers of the mob. Let's be let's be real about this. You want to get you want me to trigger you? I'll tell you right now. When the mob comes to your property and, and, and enters private property, breaks down a gate, threatens you, and then the police show up to defend them and takes your gun and you're being threatened with indictment and you protect the cops, congratulations, they're enforcing the mob rule against you. And you're like, well, you know, let's just accept it. Wonderful. Take a look at this. Vandal dumps red paint on Black Lives Matter mural in front of Trump Tower. This is what you can expect more of. I'm going to move through the story quickly, but it's simple. A vandal, a vandal. Well, hold on a minute. I, I, I seem to recall uh, uh, people in Portland lobbing rocks and bottles and, and bashing feds with hammers. And that was a peaceful protest. I seem to recall in Minneapolis, an MSNBC anchor standing in front of a burning building, a police precinct, and said, well, but it is peaceful. I seem to recall from the BBC, 27 officers injured in mostly peaceful protest. But one guy shows up, splashes some paint, vandalism. How dare he? What about the statues being torn down? Peaceful protesters tore down a statue every single time. And this is what you can expect. So no, I don't expect, I don't expect things to be balanced I don't I don't expect there to be fairness or equality because one side is screaming as loud as they can. And the cops are, are going, OK, babies, we'll 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 enforce the law for you. We'll release you from jail. This is the state, not just the cops. We'll 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 release you. We're so sorry. Here we go. Multnomah County DA elect open to dropping charges against demonstrators. June 18th, 2020. Yeah. The guy actually ran the platform. If you elect me, I'm going to make sure all these criminal rioters get released. And they do. And they did. Because the next story we end up with is that over in Portland. Oh, I'm sorry, this is an older story. We actually have, uh, I don't think I have it pulled up. They actually dropped the charges on 59 people involved in the rioting, the clashes. One person was charged with felony arson. Felony arson. Apparently there were messages where he bragged about doing it and then was caught at the location of the fire. And the grand jury said no to returning an indictment, an, an indictment. So when I see these videos of Portland cops arresting people, I am infuriated for one reason. First, if the people of Portland have said over and over again, we will not indict 
Stop arresting them. Let the let, let Antifa and the far left do their thing. Now, look, if the federal if the federal marshals would ever want to protect the federal courthouse, that's a different jurisdiction that I get. But for the Portland police to even bother showing up for these SWAT, these, I'm sorry, these riot cops to show up with tear gas, with rubber bullets, whatever. They, it's just mind. It's, it's mind numbing. It is nonsensical. The people have routinely told you we will drop the charges. The DA elect said, OK, cops, let them do their thing. Now, the way I see it is the only way this changes is when the people who wake up and see, you know, here, here, let me tell you what's going on every night for the past 45 days or whatever. The far left shows up and they take a figurative dump all over the streets. They're romping about graffitiing, throwing bricks, and the cops show up and they mop it all up. They, they, they pick it all up with their hands. And I'm wondering why. The people have told you straight up they don't want them indicted. The DA said he's going to drop the charges. And then the charges got dropped on 59 of these people, including nine felony charges. So why are you going out spineless? You know, it's, 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 it's remarkable to me, but I don't think, you know, I don't think, how do I put this? The price of freedom is high. And if you're not willing to pay it, well, then you won't have it. Okay. Freedom is not free. In fact, it is extremely expensive. When you look at the authoritarian countries like China and you see how they suppress and oppress their people, it gives them a strong advantage over us in terms of global conflict. And we're at risk. If we do not defend these freedoms, we will fall into authoritarianism because it's just so easy. Well, instead of actually standing up, we just keep slapping duct tape on things. You know what I think would happen if the cops backed away and stopped arresting these people? Then all of a sudden, the community would realize just why it's a problem. And they might ask that you stop these people. And at that point, you can say, no, because your DA is going to drop the charges against them. So we're not going to waste our time. Arrests should not be punishment in and of themselves. This is a huge problem we have in this country. The police are like, well, someone's throwing a brick, I'll arrest them. Oh, they'll get released by tonight and go back out tomorrow, but at least I'll stop them now. That is ridiculous. Knock it off. Okay. Here's what happens the, the, pro, the, the rioters come out and smash everything up. The cops show up, clean up the, up the mess, and then by 6 a.m., those residents of Portland get to drive down a clean street looking for their fresh cup of morning Joe so they can go about their lives oblivious to all the destruction and damage and the cost to everyone else. What would happen if the cops did not interfere and let these people do their thing? Actually, a couple things. For one, maybe there's no conflict. If there's no one to have conflict with, then maybe the rioters do nothing. Maybe the father of extremists will just stand there like, who do we fight? That's a, that's a good possibility. Hey, maybe that makes sense. De-escalation. Maybe they show up and they go around smashing buildings and businesses and starting fires or something. I don't know. Well, as we've already seen, the grand jury, which is the residents of this jurisdiction, don't want these people to go to jail. No, no, I, I understand. They brag about burning down buildings. No, let them go. Okay, don't arrest them. It's that simple. And then maybe the alternative is these people wake up one day, hop in their car, ready to go drive down to the local coffee spot, which there is no longer a coffee uh, when and, and there is no longer a coffee spot. Why? Well, it got burned down. Then they're going to be, hey, hey, wait, well, how come my coffee spot was burned down? Well, you didn't want to indict the arsonist. Don't look at us. What are we supposed to do? Go out every night and just arrest people? I was in Chicago a long time ago and uh I got, uh, I was, I was with uh, a friend and we got hit by uh, a cab. 
the guy was trying to cut us off and the, the taxi driver slammed to the side of the car. And uh, we talked to the cops and the cops said, you know, based on the damage and what you told us, you know, it does seem like this guy, you know, hit you. And so he tried lying to the cops claiming we hit him and the cops weren't buying it. You know, they, they had some other evidence or something like some witnesses, I guess. And so they wanted us to, to come in and give a statement. And we were just like, look, man, it's already a big enough hassle that we got hit. The last thing I want to do is, is honestly, I, I feel bad. Deal with, with, with going in and making these statements. And that was about 14 or so years ago. So, you know, maybe we should have, because this is part of the problem. That guy probably didn't get in trouble at all. He hit us. He lied about it. He tried filing a false police report claiming we hit him. And in the end, what do we get? Nothing. Well, because we didn't do anything. And maybe that's on me. But that was a long time ago, to be fair. And maybe that's the big problem. The cops will just keep playing this game. The money will keep getting wasted. Everything is falling apart. But what really, really bothers me is that it's been happening for years. And what do you get from the other side? What do you get from the conservatives? Well, the cops didn't really want to be there. I don't care, dude. I don't care what they wanted to do. If they violate the Constitution and they violate your rights and they know they're doing it, they are evil. Let me explain that. It's called the banality of evil. It's their willingness to carry out unlawful and unconstitutional acts that they themselves know are wrong, but they just have to do their job. Why? Well, it's more important to me that I get my paycheck, but I have a family. Don't you understand? I am a police officer who has a family. I'm not going to risk my job for you, even if it means violating your constitutional rights. In this instance, the Second Amendment, I suppose, and probably the fifth due process. That's the problem. Too many people saying, I will not defend what's right because I don't want to take the risk. Whatever, man. You know what? This stuff in Portland has been going on forever. Portland DA dropped serious charges against protesters 2016. They say what more than 100 protesters have been arrested in the city since Trump was elected. They keep doing this. It will not stop there. It will keep happening. So long as you keep saying the same things over and over again, you know what, man? I, I'm sorry. I am just, I, 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 I'm, I don't know, a little pessimistic, a little pessimistic. There were a wave of Blue Lives Matter protests. I can respect that. I can respect the people standing up for themselves. And it's about time, okay? People need to stand up, go out and protest and show that there are good Americans who resist the violence, the rioting and the looting and believe in our police officers. The problem I have is I have done a lot of defending of the police because I feel like the attacks against them are way over the top. <clears throat> it's one thing to say police reform. It's one thing to condemn un unconstitutional actions or lack of accountability. It's another thing to say abolish them outright, especially when crime is skyrocketing. But you know what? We see back the blue. We, just, we see blue lives matter. There was a lot of outrage when during COVID, these cops across the country were enforcing unconstitutional edict with a smile on their face. They lost a lot of goodwill from the people. Now, there are certainly a lot of sheriffs and smaller town cops who did the right thing. Over in these bigger cities, places like St. Louis, they will willfully, gleefully break the law. I'm exaggerating, but you know what I mean. And then when, when, when it comes time to hold them accountable, they say, cover your faces so that you know, nobody knows who you are when you violated the Constitution. And that's how you lose your rights. What do you think the founding fathers would have said if shortly after the ratification of the Bill of Rights, a local law enforcement officer 
showed up to the home of one of their citizens in you know New York, or whatever, and demanded the firearm of the people. And the people said, OK, what do you think the founding fathers would say when they see this? Like, uh, dude, the Second Amendment was put there for a reason. Now I get it. Listen, they're investigating. There's going to be a crime or charge or whatever. So there's an argument to be made about, yes, they can take your guns. If you are if you are a criminal, you're being charged with a crime. But therein lies the big problem. Is it a crime to be on your own property within a castle doctrine state defending your own property when a group of 300 to 500 people enters private property and threatens you? I think any reasonable person is going to say it's not unreasonable to come out and say, get off my property. So why would these cops do this? Where are the police who are going to be like, nope, that you get fired? Yeah, okay, well, then you get fired. You know what, man? This is the problem with everything. You've got people who absolutely just want to protect themselves at all costs and care about nothing and no one else. They don't care about America. They don't care about the Constitution. They don't care about civil liberties or civil rights. They care about their $40,000, $30,000 year salary that they're saving up to get that Barca lounger for their big widescreen TV so they can sit back, crack a beer and say, I don't want to think about work. And in the meantime, they enforce this BS. I have no sympathy, sympathy for the McCloskeys. And I criticized them before when they put out a statement saying they, they supported Black Lives Matter. These people broke onto your property. Now, to be fair, OK, I'll walk it back a little bit. It's one thing to support the general idea. Police brutality is wrong. OK, I get it. And they're civil rights lawyers, uh, or I, I think they are. It's another thing to sit there with a smile on your face as your right to self-defense is, is taken from you. And in this photo, we can see with the officers taking the rifle, the windows are boarded up. A real threat. Private security didn't even want to protect the McCloskeys. You know why? They were worried about being dragged into the politics of the issue. But they eventually found some people who are willing to help them secure their home. And then the police came and took away their right to self-defense. Spineless, pathetic, call them out, hold them accountable. The, the problem I, I see, while we can complain about the politics and the whiny nature of the SJWs and the far left, they're extremely aggressive. They're extremely violent and it's working for them. They care not for principles. They care not for fairness. All they care about is they get power. Meanwhile, this is what the right does. Oh, those poor officers who violated our rights. I feel so bad for them. We want to make sure they're safe. <laughs> Pathetic. They slighted you and that's what you do. I'm over it, man. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. One by one, the far left goes door to door, kicking the door in, entering the homes of individuals and destroying their lives. While everyone else in their houses down the street say, if I just keep quiet, they'll pass my house over. And I wonder why anyone would think that is. Certainly, if the far left is going to every door targeting every group, they will come for you. But for some reason, I hear it over and over again. If I just personally stay quiet, they leave me alone and they never do. And that's the lesson being learned now by liberal elites. Mary Weiss, she is kind of an intellectual dark web type. She really popularized the idea of the intellectual dark web. Dark web. She was a writer for the New York Times. And according to her now resignation letter, because she's quit, she was brought on to basically give a voice to the people that the New York Times kind of was ignoring. You see, they missed 2016 and they didn't understand why it was that Donald Trump was able to win when everyone was screaming in their ears that Trump was the worst of the worst. So apparently they bring in Barry Weiss and they say, 
Why don't you go and talk to some of these people and find them? Well, Barry Weiss actually gave a lot of space to political moderates, not necessarily a whole lot of conservatives, but she was still kind of pushing back on the wokeness. She has since resigned, citing an illiberal environment. And now I can say the liberal elites are getting their their taste of cancel culture. You see, a couple weeks ago, a letter was written. It's now known as the infamous Harper's letter, where several very famous high profile liberals, and I do mean liberal in the actual colloquial, colloquial US sense, not leftist, social liberals. These people signed a letter saying that discourse was being sacrificed in the name of activism, that cancel culture was bad, ideas must flourish. And guess what? They actually started canceling people on that list, targeting them, threatening them, bullying them, harassing them. And it worked. You know, what's funny about the culture wars. A few things I want to bring up. I want to read you the story. I want to show you some tweets and talk about the severity of what this is. First, they came for conservatives. They were harassing. They were threatening. They were banning them. And many people spoke up, but most of these liberal elites didn't. They said, oh, it's a private platform. Well, you know what? Here we are. They're going to eventually ban me for sure. I just got word that Dan Dix, an independent YouTuber who I've uh, uh, mentioned several times, has been permanently banned from YouTube. I don't know exactly the full details, but the purge is upon us. It's been upon us and it's been a slow roll. They can't just go out right and ban everybody. But there will come a point where I will be completely removed as well. And that's why I've been so adamant about speaking up against this illiberalism, the authoritarianism. It's coming. It came for the New York Times. And now they have begun. They've begun the purge, right? Uh, at, at, at large papers, the takeover is here. When conservatives were getting banned, I said, I am not a conservative, but I learned from history and I will speak up to the best of my ability. I will go on high profile shows and I will call this out. And for it, I myself was called a conservative. I'm not. Maybe in some ways, but mostly, you know, I've taken so many political tests. I recently took a Pew uh, political party test and I am a left leaning independent. Many news outlets actually get that right. Unfortunately, many news outlets are being purged and taken over by the far left. The liberal elites, these people, they danced and they sang as the conservatives got purged, saying, well, it will stop somewhere, won't it? Of course, it'll stop somewhere. That's what John Oliver said about statues being torn down. When Trump said, hey, they tore down, uh, you know, uh, they want to tear down Stonewall Jackson. Who's next? Jefferson, Washington. And John Oliver laughed. (coughs) Obviously, it stops somewhere. And then they tore down Jefferson, then Washington, then Grant. Hans Christian Hegg. And finally, we presume it was the far left, but someone tore down Frederick Douglass, an escaped slave who spoke up for liberty. It's truly remarkable how far we've come. Now, I've been screaming for years and for it, I've been smeared, but I don't care. I will stand up for what's right. All of these people, Barry Weiss included, could have been screaming a lot louder for a lot longer, but they didn't because I'm a private platform. Now, I'm not trying to drag Barry. I think she's actually done a good job of giving a voice to many of these people challenging the far left. But Dave Rubin had some criticism. He mentioned that he wanted her to publish that the far left was a threat that was causing these these problems. And apparently she didn't do it. I'll show you his tweet in a second. I responded to it. But I have to tell you, I I am I've been talking about taking the van down by the river as if it was a joke, right? I don't know if you caught my earlier segment where I talked about the McCloskeys, 
These are the people in St. Louis who are defending their homes with weapons when the, when the Black Lives Matter fanatics came to the private property. I say fanatic because there's been a wave of violence and murders, and I don't think it's fair to say protester at this point. Not every single person who adheres or believes in Black Lives Matter is a fanatic, but you know, certainly when they march around breaking down gates and stuff like that and threatening people, you can argue it's, it's fanaticism. Well, these people had police officers show up to their house and seize uh, this man, Mark McClossie. They seized his rifle. The, the wife, Patricia, said she wanted to take a picture of it happening, but the cops should turn around so that no one harasses them. And there it is. This is what the left means when they say bootlicker. It means the authority shows up, the cops, the cops know they're violating their rights, and the people who live there just say, well, you know, they're just following orders, not following the law, no, they're just following orders. There's no, there's, there's, there's no one to stand up against this tyranny, this oppression, authoritarianism. And it's been escalating. I looked to my left, to the liberals. And what did they say? But my private platform. And I said, do you not realize they'll come for you next? We must stop the cliff from eroding. And that includes the right, because they're the ones standing on the edge of the cliff. And if they keep tearing down this edge, it'll eventually come for the rest of you. And they said, it'll stop somewhere. And it didn't. It certainly didn't. Matthew Iglesias, the co-founder of Vox, tweeted that he had a commitment to not speak on Twitter about contentious issues anymore. Why? Because he signed the Harper's letter, the famous letter condemning cancel culture. And one by one, these people just bend their knees and they say, maybe if I keep my head down, they won't come for me. You know, it's really funny. I can probably say it 50 million times. And even people who watch these videos just don't get it. I have a family. I'm going to keep my family safe by not speaking up. I understand your word for your family. I understand you don't want to stand up because you're scared about what will happen. They're going to come for you. They will take your job away. They will strip you of your resources. And you know what you're doing by sitting down and saying nothing? Imagine it this way. You're at your house in the suburbs, wherever you live, and you see down the street a group of people going door to door, stripping away the rights and resources from every house, one by one, without skipping a beat, without skipping a house. And even though you can see they're going to every single door, you say, but if I just stay quiet, maybe they'll skip my house. They won't. Now, the liberals are learning it the hard way as they start to get canceled, harassed, mocked, belittled, and they lose their jobs. These are the people who said, well, they're only going after conservatives. Amazing. Because there were still many conservatives who said, if I keep my head down, they won't come for me. But they still came for everyone. The funny thing is, many of the people who have been canceled posted a video online. You see, you don't hear these stories because high profile people getting canceled, losing their jobs. These people, well, we notice, but regular people who have been canceled by the tens of thousands who can't find work because of accusations, you'll never hear their stories. And it's been happening because I've heard their stories when I've met some of these people. I've put on events, I've, I've done speaking events, and I've met people who say, I've lost my job. I was banned from social media. What do I do? Nobody knows. Who do I talk to? That's just the way it is. They've been purging. They will continue. They won't stop and they won't skip you. So I'll tell you what happens when I joke about going down by the river in my van. We're getting a work expanding. I plan to keep on speaking up. I plan to keep defending freedom until they finally ban me. I will. 
But there's a reason why I've decided to get away from the cities, mostly having to do with the escalation of violence and the refusal of these uh, of these cities to actually do anything about it. The police are being defunded. They're backing down. It's probably not, not a good idea to be in the city at any at this point. The other problem, though, is what do I see when I look to my right? I look to my left. I now see panicked liberals signing a letter saying, stop canceling. Stop canceling. You're too close to us. And what happens when I look to my right? After they begin canceling people, we've now seen the next wave. Riots, violence, vandalism. And when they show up to the house of the McCloskeys, and, 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 and I'll tell you what went down. These people show up. They, they, they enter private property. They break down the gate. And the police arrest nobody. They do nothing. Several protesters go to the highway in Seattle for, for 20 days dancing on a highway. Not a single person arrested. They can break the law with impunity. And here's the best part. After they enter your private property like the McCloskeys, they broke down the gate. And when the McCloskeys dared defend themselves, themselves, the police showed up for them. Now, the police apparently didn't want to be there. That's what they said. The police still did what, what they were told to do, acting on behalf of the mob. The mob said it was wrong. The, the, the DA said, do as I say. And the cop said, yes, ma'am. Now we don't want to do it, but of course we'll just do what the mob demands. Where do you think this goes? If no one stands up, well, it gets worse. And they'll go to door, they will continue going door to door until they come to yours. And they will not skip you. Maybe it's time you speak up. Maybe it's too late. I don't know. But if the police are willing to do what the mob wants, and they are, then where do we end up? Well, we end up with morality policing, which is what we're seeing. And it won't be the mob that shows up to your house to strip you of your rights. In St. Louis, it was the police themselves. And I said this would happen. And many people said, never. No. Oh, it won't. No. This is what I warn, and I'll warn it again. The more these activists, these fanatics, take cultural institutions like the New York Times, the more they begin to dictate public policy, the more they get into public office, the more likely it is the police will gladly, gleefully violate your rights to secure their own personal paycheck. They will not skip your house. And guess what? One day you will find the mob outside your home, just like the McCloskey's, and they'll be screaming things that are not true. And you'll say, but these are lies. These are lies. I didn't say anything. I kept my head down. But it won't be the protesters who actually break your door in. No, it'll be the police. The police will show up and they'll say, you've been accused. But these are lies. I never said anything. I don't care. I was ordered by the DA to arrest you and strip you of your rights. And do you know what I see when I look to my right? The conservatives going, well, I'm not going to blame the police for doing what the mob wants them to do. You know, they're just following orders. Keep that. Keep saying it. I hope it keeps you warm as you're being walked down to the gulag. Maybe a little extreme, but what do you think is going to happen? I've been warning about what happens when the New York Times falls. Many people maybe just don't realize it. This is the gray lady, the paper of record, one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful newspaper in the world, rivaled only by probably the Wall Street Journal. Maybe a few other papers get close, but this is the New York Times with Barry Weiss's departure due to what she calls illiberal environment, harassment, bullying. There's very little left at this paper. 
But there is something I love, the inability for anyone to ever learn. You see, in this story, in the resignation letter from Barry Weiss, we learned that there are many people at the New York Times who complain to her privately about the new McCarthyism that's coming. But they won't speak up themselves. You know why? If I just keep my head down, they'll leave me alone. But they don't. They never do. They attack each other. I mean, Obama called it a circular firing squad. What do you think happens when these people take over? They run around beating each other. Andy No posted a video from Portland a couple days ago. He said with the absence of police, Antifa started fighting themselves. So even the people who think if I carry a torch, I'll be on their side. Now they'll still come for you too. They won't stop. It is, it is just a chaotic, destructive force with nothing standing in its way. Not even Donald Trump, certainly not the Republicans, and certainly not apparently any conservative. Because as they get purged, as they get removed and fired, and now they've come for liberals, still I hear it from so many. I'm not going to say anything. I want to be safe. I have a lot to show you. Let's, this has been a long rant, huh? But I want to show you some tweets. Variety says Barry Weiss resigns from the New York Times citing illiberal environment. Quote, Twitter is not on the masthead of the New York Times, but Twitter has become an ultimate editor. Weiss said in a statement posted on her personal site Tuesday, stories are chosen and told in a way to satisfy the narrowest of audiences rather than to allow a curious public to read about the world and then draw their own conclusions. I was always taught that journalists were charged with writing the first rough draft of history. Now history itself is one more ephemeral thing molded to fit the needs of a predetermined narrative. Now, I want to make sure I say this, uh, make this clear. I'm torn between whether or not I'm glad that Barry Weiss quit or sad that she did, because with her leaving, the New York Times is truly fallen. But maybe it's important she stood up for herself, because with this resignation, it was a true condemnation of the New York Times' credibility. And maybe that's something important we need. I've said it before. I quit. I, I tried to quit when I worked for Fusion, when they wanted me to lie. It was an ABC news company. And ultimately, when my contract expired, I said, bye bye Maybe that's what she needs to do to leave. Maybe there needs to be a wake-up call to people. And maybe the rest of those liberals who are scared of this McCarthyism need to all stand up at the exact same time and walk out. But they're scared. They think they'll be safe. And I'm sure many of you do as well. You won't be. You won't be. And, and listen, I'm not talking about any physical violence. I'm talking about you one day waking up questioning what happened to that country you once knew and loved when you had the right to speak and make jokes and fire up the grill with your buddies and have a beer. What happened to that country? I don't know. Well, nobody defended it. Because even in the instance, let's say you win the lottery and they do pass over your house for one reason, just you. What do you think will be left of the smoldering ruins that you will be able to enjoy? Do you think standing atop a pile of rubble will be worth keeping your mouth shut? What's going to happen is going to be cultural, and it is cultural. They'll take away your right to speak. They'll take away your, take away your right to work unless you adhere to certain fringe ideologies. And one day you will wake up and say, I kept my mouth shut. I was good, wasn't I? And they'll say, I mean, why do we care? You're canceled. Your job is gone and your access to resources gone with it. That's the end result. It doesn't need to be a big bloody battle or anything like that. It's not going to be necessarily they show up to your house and they punch you in the face. It's going to be you saying, well, I kept my mouth shut. I said nothing. 
So I'll be okay. And then your phone rings. We're letting you go. You've been fired because someone's accused you of something naughty and you can't do anything about it. And you'll say, but what, what, what do I do? Well, you can't do anything now. Maybe it's possible after everyone's canceled. You know, they say once everyone's canceled, no one will be, or maybe we'll develop herd immunity to cancellation. Not if everyone's too scared. The cultural institutions are dominated by these lunatics. And so long as everyone just stays quiet, they'll just keep running amok. I'll show you this first uh, tweet. This is from Dave Rubin. In response to Douglas Murray, who said Barry Weiss leaving NYT after constant bullying by colleagues, a devastating resignation letter, or said Barry, uh, after, yes, Twitter is not the master of the New York Times, but it has become its ultimate editor. Dave said the New York Times just lost its last non-woke public person. While this will be cheered as a victory, it just finalizes the death of the paper itself. I kept warning Barry that the real threat was the far left in that IDW piece and begged her to put it in. She didn't. And here we are with her resignation. It's worth noting, Dave says, that because even last week with the Harper's letter, the last few liberals post Order 66 still focus on the scary conservatives in Trump while their own burn down cities, demolish institutions and put out the last flicker of liberalism. And where are any of these liberal writers? Well, they're cowering now. They were never strong enough to fight back to begin with. Oh, so they're cowering. At least they, they, they levied some defense. You know, Barry Weiss, she, she came out with this re- resignation letter condemning the paper and its illiberalism, and I can respect that. Many people signed this uh, Harper's letter. J.K. Rowling's been on a tear. But maybe it's too late. Maybe it's not too late. Maybe this is actually the opening salvo of liberals finally pushing back. Conservatives can then join in the fray. Maybe the ones who haven't already been canceled. Maybe that's the problem. Because these liberals wouldn't stand up for free speech. They wouldn't listen and heed the words of people like Noam Chomsky. They now have no allies left in the public debate. You turn on any program, you look at any brand, and they're all saying the same thing. Off with their head. Not literally but they're all chanting the same mantra. I want to show you a few more tweets. This is from Jordan Shachtol. Now, Jordan is with foreign policy at, um, oh, he's a journalist, formerly with USA Today, I guess, or he's written for them in The Examiner. He said, Barry Weiss rarely published Trump supporters, which, you know, are half the USA. During her tenure, Trump supporters were largely ridiculed and delegitimized by her cohort. So to say she is some kind of right winger is laughable. This ongoing battle is hard left versus center left. Weiss is openly a member of the Never Trump Club and subscribes to the stuck in 2003 foreign policy ideas of that crew. Of course, disavowing Trump over and over did nothing to stop her from being targeted by the hard left. Should be a learning moment for respectable right types. So to say she provided an open forum isn't really true. Every once in a while, a Trump supporter snuck in. But NYT op-ed space on the right has, since 2016, been a place for attempting to attack POTUS using conservative credentials. Same goes with Bezos Post, of course. NYT would never, ever hire a Trump supporter because the paper is an info op and they would not risk the possibility of losing support to the other side. Weiss was hired to bring more subs to the New York Times to crack the door open a little bit, but not too much. Nothing to do with free press. You reap what you sow. You absolutely do. But also, let me just tell you, when you sow the seeds, come harvest, you will be left with what you have laid in your yard. 
in your farm, on your land. But what happens when you do nothing? You will still have a choice of either reaping or doing nothing. But I assure you, if you leave your, your fields and do nothing, things will grow and it will be chaotic. It'll be destructive and you won't have food. So I ask you this. We can talk about people reaping what they have sown all the time. And that implies that people like the, these elite, uh, liberal elites like Matthew Iglesias were laying the seeds of their own destruction. And come harvest time, they realized this they could not eat. But there are many other people who say, look, there's, there's a field out there. I'm going to ignore it. And then sure enough, when it comes time for harvest, what do they find? A bunch of disgusting weeds, garbage and trash, and there's nothing they can do for it. There's nothing they can do with it. And eventually that overgrowth comes for their home and destroys it as well. They could have cut it back. They could have stopped it as it was taking over their field. It's a blight, poisoning the crop that you need to survive. And you know what people do? They burn it. But many people are just sitting around saying, yeah, you know, hold on. It's not going to reach my field. I'll be okay. Let me know how that works out for you. They're banning YouTubers left and right. Eventually they'll ban me. So I'm making plans, I guess. But you know what, man? If no one else will stand up, then I don't know what you would expect of me because I scream every day about this nonstop, you know, for the most part. And I am going to be doing more to speak, to speak more, to speak louder, to reach more people, to, to provide jobs to those who may have been canceled, who want to speak up and speak out against this. So I'll keep doing what I have to do in this ideological battle. If you want to sit back and just stay safe, as it were, I assure you, you won't be. But don't expect anyone else to stand up for you after you're long gone, after you've lost your job. I mean, long gone in the figurative sense. But hey, who knows what'll happen? I'll leave it there. Next segment will be coming up at 4 p.m. at youtube.com slash timcast or timcast.net is a different channel. Go to timcast.net. Check it out. And I will see you all then. The top trending news story of the day. Barry Weiss resigns from the New York Times amid an illiberal culture of bullying. We got more big news. Andrew Sullivan, a very prominent writer, is leaving New York Mag. And you know what? These stories are very important, but that's not what I'm leading with. I'm leading with Ricky Gervais being ever so astute, saying anyone mildly conservative on Twitter is labeled as Hitler. He said people are entrenched in their points of view, but it's not just that. He said anybody who mildly left suddenly becomes Trotsky. Everything is being amplified to an extreme degree. And this is hyper polarizing things. So when there's conversations about civil unrest, extreme violence, this is why we are being polarized by this media. And there's a video that you should really watch from CGP Gray called, I believe it's called This Video Will Make You Angry that explains what's happening. You have two different groups. You actually have way more than just two. But they start talking about the other group in this group. So basically, the left all just complains about the right and the right complains about the left. There's very little crossover ever. Now, the reality is conservative journalists do follow left-wing journalists. Trump supporters do follow the left and they argue with them, but it doesn't go the other way. The left tends to ignore the right. So while Ricky Gervais does bring up a good point about left and right and what happens to us good old centrists, I think a lot of people try to play this balancing act game where they're like, to be fair, you have the left and the right. And it's like, well, well hold on. The right is paying attention. Not complete, like not 100%, but I would say like many conservatives do follow left-wing journalists and left-wing personalities. The left certainly doesn't. 
And the left is actively trying to get conservatives banned. And the reason why I bring up Barry Weiss and Andrew Sullivan is because the left is trying to get them canceled too, I guess. Well, let's read this story and see what Ricky Gervais had to say. Ricky Gervais called out the lack of online discourse and what he sees as the new fascists on social media. The often controversial comedian and creator of The Office appeared on talk radio for a recent interview about the show's 19th anniversary. During the discussion, the host asked Gervais if he thinks the beloved sitcom would have been made today, to which he noted that times have changed and there's a lot more to worry about when making comedy than there was two decades ago. There is this new weird sort of fascism of people thinking they know what you can say and what you can't say. And it's really, it's, it's a really weird thing that there's this new trendy myth that the people who want free speech want it to say awful things all the time, which just isn't true, he explained. It protects everyone. Here, here, Ricky Gervais, good sir. He added, the two catastrophic problems of the term hate speech is one, what constitutes hate speech? Everyone disagrees. There's no consensus on what hate speech is, too. Who decides? And there's the real rub, because obviously the people who think they want to close down free speech because it's bad are the fascists. It's really weird. It's, uh, it's, it's a really weird mixed up idea that these people hide behind a shield of goodness. Later in the interview, Gervais said that it's often hard to please anyone on both the left and the right online because there's no discourse to be had with people entrenched in their respective points of view. I'm going to stop right there. I don't believe this is true. When I tweet something, okay, Donald Trump pardoned Roger Stone. What did I say? All of the major headlines tomorrow, quote, Trump is corrupt, uh, commute sentence of close personal friend. Did the left make the assumption that I was calling Trump corrupt? No, they made the assumption that I was mad anybody would call him corrupt. Conservatives just agreed the media would probably run the headline. That was about it. You can look at my Twitter and see what the response was. Someone said to me, then pray tell us, Tim, what should the headline have been? To which I responded, did I stutter? The reason I pointed out because they're, they're saying, well, we expect you to defend Roger Stone. I didn't do a segment on Roger Stone, at least I'm pretty sure I didn't. I don't know. I do so many segments. Sometimes I forget. No, I'm not here to play games about what Trump shouldn't or shouldn't be doing. A lot of conservatives defended Trump and uh, over, over this action. I didn't do that. So they assume anything I say must be against them. It's the funniest thing. I've tweeted things that have flown in the face of certain conservative ideals, and I've been ratioed in the past. But the ratios I typically receive from the right on Twitter are like stern disagreement and often derision, but not the worst in the world. More like, you can't possibly be that dumb, Tim. Come on. Don't you know about X, Y, and Z? What do I get from the left? I get pictures of my family. I get threats. I get weird mockery and memes. No real arguments, just insults, nonsense. So I've found that no matter what I post, I could agree with the left. I could agree with the right. If I agree with the left on an issue, I made a post. I talked about systemic racism. What did I get? A conversation with conservatives. Wow. How difficult was that? Well, I actually disagree, Tim. I don't think systemic racism. Well, glad to hear your opinion. I respect it. Thank you. What does the left do? Ignore it. They ignore it. But then they want it. So, so this is what I, what, 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 I bring this up because I, I'm not going to play this fake. Well, there are the left and there are the, No, 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 no. Listen, man, it is substantially more likely, though not absolute, that if you tweet something, a conservative will argue with you. And it is true 
that if you, you uh, in that same tweet, the left will attack you, insult you, deride you, screenshot you, post out of context memes and attempt to own you or one up you. It's just nonsense. Conservatives do it, too. But it's a tendency on the conservative side. You're more likely to get a real conversation on the left side. You're more likely to get derision and attacks. Let's read. Social media amplifies everything. If you're mildly left wing on Twitter, you're suddenly Trotsky. If you're mildly conservative, you're Hitler. And if you're centrist and you look at both arguments, you're a coward and they both hate you. That's just not true. That is absolutely not true. I often call myself the milk toast fence sitter because I think it's funny. It's, it, it's almost a term of endearment. I did a video a long time ago, and one of the top comments was that Tim Pool is a milk toast fence sitter. But it wasn't made in such a way to attack me or insult me. It was meant to be like poking fun at me, give me a little jab in the ribs, because I am often a milk toast fence sitter. Well, I think as of lately, people have been mad because I'm a bit, a bit too aggressive and pessimistic. But sure, they were like, even Tim's off the fence buying guns too, eh? Whoa. Yeah, 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 we get it. Listen, man, the IDW, the politically homeless, the, you know, Dave Rubin's, some of his top guests are ranging from slightly left, slightly right. And I, I bring him up because the intellectual dark web, right? This is very centrist and moderate, moderate people. They're not going to call, the conservatives don't call any of us, cat. well, some of them do. But for the most part, I have, I have people on the right commenting. Sometimes it's mean, but it's like, whatever. The left sends me threats. They try to shut me down. They try to get me banned. They lie all the time. Conservatives have conversations. So no, when you're in the center, I'm sorry, the center is mostly aligned right now with conservatives. I am a, I am a left-leaning independent, according to Pew Research's study. I am a center-left libertarian, according to the ID Labs thing. I know where I'm standing. And I disagree with Ricky on this one. I get the point he's trying to make, but no, let's be real. People, I think people are like, we need to unify and come together. So the left wants to hear you being critical of the right. I had somebody message me, Tim, I've been waiting for the other shoe to drop. Why won't you criticize the Republicans? I do. I've called them ineffective and do nothing uh, politicians all the time. But for the most part, when you have Democrats engaging in overtly corrupt behavior, the impeachment fake nonsense, Ukraine fake nonsense, Russiagate fake nonsense, well, I'm going to be criti- criticizing. What are the Republicans doing? Saying, stop, stop, don't do it. Yeah, not a whole lot. So you can criticize them for doing nothing, which I typically do. But what, do, what, what am I supposed to complain about for the most part? I've, I, I, when, when I've talked about Mitch McConnell blocking bills all the time, saying it's not fair to criticize Democrats outright if McConnell won't allow any of the bills to make it to the Senate floor. But what am I going to say? It's politics, man. I don't care. It's, it's Ocasio-Cortez talking about criminals in New York stealing bread. When they're not, they're shooting people. So yeah, it's Democrats. You want to pretend like the other shoe's supposed to drop. It doesn't mean it is. The former Golden Globes host explained that there, were, there are indeed caveats to free speech that he agrees with, such as libel laws. However, he notes that he fears a world where people are, are told not to say certain things because someone might be offended. What's not in place and what should never be in place at all is you mustn't say something that someone somewhere might find offensive because someone somewhere might find anything offensive. And I've always said, just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. And it doesn't. And, and, and what? So congratulations, you're offended. He added, offense is good because it makes you think and it makes you come up with an argument. And that's uh, and what what's happened recently is that I'm offended has replaced an argument. He ended his rant by saying it's up to everyone to decide what they feel is morally good. So you've just got to do your thing. 
sleep at night and know you are doing a decent job at work and stuff. I respect Ricky. I think he's great. But I got to say, man, the threat is the left. Liberal elites are now feeling the pressure. Now, you know about Barry Weiss, but here's Andrew Sullivan. Andrew Sullivan's been conservative. I'm pretty sure he's a conservative. I could be wrong. I'm not, you know, it's not like I know everything about him. He said, this will be my last week at New York Magazine. I'm sad because the editors I worked with there are among the finest in the country, and I'm immensely grateful for them for vastly improving my work. I'm also proud of the essays and columns I wrote at New York Mag, some of which will be published in a collection of my writing scheduled for next year. I have no beef with my colleagues, many of whom I admire and are friends. The underlying reason for the split are pretty self-evident, and I'll be discussing the broader questions involved in my last column this Friday. I've been preparing for this eventuality, and the column will continue elsewhere. See you on Friday when I'll detail some exciting news. Apparently, the uh, you know, New York Mag said that they don't think he fit the vision of what they wanted in terms of criticism of the left, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we get where it's going, okay? It's not the conservatives. It's not the right. Now, it's true that Ben Shapiro, he dominates Facebook and Fox News dominates on Facebook. But the, the, the area of, uh, of acceptable opinion on the right is becoming increasingly narrow. And now it's starting, to, uh, it's starting to negatively impact liberals and liberal elites, which is why we see the top trending story right here just to the right. Barry Weiss has resigned from The New York Times because it will get worse. The cliffs are eroding. So as much as Ricky wants to call him out, mm, I respect it, but it's the left, man. I'm sorry. It just is. Liberals, they're trying to stand up now. I I think it's too late. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. It will come for the government. It will come for the police. It will hit every institution. Welcome, my friends, to our brave new world. CDC employees call out agencies' toxic culture of racial aggressions. Oh, but it gets better. You see, along with this calling out of toxic racial aggressions. They say the authors make uh, it is a paper. The authors make seven demands for action, including diversifying senior leadership, addressing racism in the CDC's culture and publicly declaring racism a public health crisis in the U.S. Because that's what the Center for Disease Control and Prevention should be doing, declaring racism a public health crisis. Man, this is how it starts. And uh, I believe it will get substantially worse. I had this conversation the other night in the IRL podcast. I don't know if you guys catch it. It's over at youtube.com slash TimCastIRL, Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. We do it live. And what I said was, this will end with the destruction of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And what they're going to say is that the Constitution, it was created by racist white slave owners to protect their slaveocracy. That's what the New York Times said. They successfully rewrite history in this way, which it seems like they're succeeding, especially as they indoctrinate kids. It will only be a matter of time before they start burning the Constitution, before someone goes into the National Archives and no one stops them and they pull this stuff out and destroy it. And then any copy of the Constitution will be destroyed and people have digital copies and they'll and they'll come and they'll burn them, destroy those two. And they'll say, you're not a bigot, are you? Why are you supporting white supremacist literature? Maybe you won't get to that point. Seems kind of extreme. But I'll tell you this, man. What have we seen? What have we seen in St. Louis when the McCloskeys went to defend themselves? Did the police come and arrest those who would trespass on private property? No. What about the people dancing on the highway in Seattle? Did the police come and arrest them? No. But the police did show up to the McCloskeys to take away their gun. That's right. 
The cops will be enforcers for the mob. You think I'm joking? Read history. I love it when people say, I'll just keep my head down. The CDC, a governmental institution, now has a group of people demanding they declare a public health crisis. Racism. What? It's, it's, it's nebulous. It's ephemeral. How do you actually track down the scourge? Well, they've already redefined what racism is. So what comes next? They're going to tell you that everything you do is racism. And they're going to tell you you can't do it. And they will curtail your, your, your freedoms, your speech, your rights. They will say, gun ownership is racist. Oh, that's right. They'll come for everything. They'll say due process is racist. They've already done this. They've claimed that due process should not be upheld in colleges. All of these things have been happening. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying it's a grand conspiracy. I'm saying the dominoes are falling over and nothing is stopping the lunatics from gaining this ground. Now, maybe with the recent culture collapse, things like the New York Times, Barry Weiss, Andrew Sullivan, the liberal elites finally getting some comeuppance, there may be some pushback and the far left may be curtailed. I'm not convinced. You see, the dominoes have started falling down. These big brands have already embraced this stuff. Boy, would they look dumb if it turned out they were wrong. What happens if after the, the, you know, Barry Weiss's departure from the New York Times, there is a cultural reckoning and people abandon these big publications and Donald Trump wins in an epic historical landslide? What are all these companies going to do when they realize not only were they wrong, but they are the fringe of the fringe and no one likes what they have to say? Yeah, they'll have egg on their face. There's also the scary possibility they're not wrong. And our culture has really changed just that much. As statues are destroyed and torn down and nobody is arrested, they hunt down vandals who drive over Black Lives Matter murals. Not just one, but a couple. So here you go. The CDC, now a governmental agency, they say more than 1,200 current employees at the CDC have signed a letter calling for the federal agency to address ongoing and recurring acts of racism and discrimination against black employees. In the letter addressed to CDC Director Robert Redfield and dated June 30th, the authors put their call for change in the context of the coronavirus pandemic's disproportionate impact on black people. You know, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you what, 1,200 people, current employees signed a letter. I wonder how many employees they actually have, but I'll tell you this. Do you believe that every 1,200 of those people agree with all of this? I'm willing to bet that they don't. It's a federal agency. I'd imagine that they have a lot of employees that are on different, you know, political, uh, different uh, areas of the political spectrum. But let me tell you something. You know what I see? Regular people keeping their head down. So someone walks up to you and says, will you sign this letter denouncing racism? And they go, oh, yeah, you know, for sure, I'll sign it. And then they do. I'm just keeping my head down so they don't come for me. I have a family. Yeah, I know. I know you have a family. I hear you. I feel for you. I sympathize. I empathize. I want you to be able to feed your kids. I don't know if the people who signed this letter all agree or don't agree, and some do and some don't, I don't know. I can only assume they all agree. But I'm worried because there are a lot of people, and I've heard the stories. They've been on Twitter. They've been in the news where someone in an office will say they want to do a message about denouncing racism, and the people in the office just say, okay, I better keep my head down to protect my kids. It's going to be really fun, the future you leave for your children. It's going to be a great world. I'm, I'm excited for them to have no civil rights, no speech, no due process. Maybe one of them, you know, when they're in their 20s, it turns out that their father, their mother were moderates. <gasps> Heaven forbid they read Barry Weiss. 
Remember the guy who uh, is a race car driver? His dad said the N word in the 80s before he was born. So he lost a sponsor. I don't think I don't think anybody really understands what happens in history. I think they just don't. They just don't. It's called the sins of the father. The phrase exists for a reason. You want to leave a better future for your children? Stand up and start speaking out. Don't sign these letters. Make counter letters saying it is not the position of the Center for Disease Control to make assertions about politics, about racism. We deal with virology or other things, too. I actually visited the CDC once. It's pretty cool. They have like, you know, educational museum like type installations. So with the organizations, with federal agencies like this now embracing, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Your child will grow up. Congratulations. You've fed them. I'm very proud of you. I'm happy you were able to do it. I mean it sincerely. And they'll be about 20 or 20, you know, in their early 20s. And one of the woke morality police will be walking around with their truncheon. And they'll say, Mr. Smith, it says here on my little futuristic tablet device, my phone, that your father had once posted a spicy meme when they were a teenager. Mm, can't have that. But I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't do anything. That was my dad. I, I didn't say anything. And the van pulls up and they throw, they throw your kid in and your kid gets to spend the, last, the, the, you know, the rest of their lives in the gulag. I know I'm exaggerating on purpose. I don't really know how bad it will get. And I'm only using our, our historical references to make you know, predictions about what, would be, what life would be like in the future. But I think the simple answer is, if we look at the current trend with what's going on, then you're going to end up with people that your children will grow up and they'll be unhirable. They'll be second class citizens. They can't get jobs. They'll be restricted. They can't buy things and they'll be impoverished. This is where things get truly crazy. When they say the authors make seven demands, publicly declaring racism a public health crisis in the U.S. What? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Stupidest. What does that mean? What do you do? Are you going to make a vaccine for racism? I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to make everybody wear a gigantic, everyone's going to wear these gigantic square, like it'll be like framed uh, green suits, like green, you, you, you pull it over your head. No one can see how tall you are. No one can see what your race is, and everyone uses the same voice changer, so you all talk like robots. Hello, citizen, I am here to work. Otherwise, you'll have bigotry and bias and racism, right? How do you solve people having negative opinions about other people? You can't do it. This is ridiculous. The CDC has stumbled in its attempts to address the disproportionate impact of COVID on black Americans and other communities. Although data are incomplete, black and Latino people in the U.S. are at least two times more likely than white people to die from COVID and three times more likely to get sick. So how is that racism? Whatever, man. Failing to address racism's role in causing health problems, the authors say, is a key reason why we have witnessed little progress in reducing many of these disparities in the U.S. over the past 50 years. Jones, who left the CDC in 2014, says she feels encouraged to see black employees organizing to effect change. When I first saw the letter, I was feeling a resonance. I know this is no exaggeration. Okay. Okay. I know where this is going. I've seen, I've read the history and I am, I am just tired. I am tired. I will not, I will not stop saying it. You must speak out and reject this. You want to know why? I'll show, let me show, I'll show you, I'll show you what comes next. Nick Cannon says white people are a little less closer to animals, the true savages acting out of a deficiency. So the only way they can act is evil. When does he get canceled? He won't. You've had, you had Deshaun Jackson 
posting anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. You have Chelsea Handler propping up Farrakhan. You know what, man? I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep speaking out, calling this out, demanding an end to the racism, I'm at, uh, demanding an end to the liars and the deceivers, and demanding people stand up for civil liberty, civil rights, the consent of the governed. You must speak up. I'll keep doing it until they ban me, which I imagine will probably be soon because November elections are coming up. They can't have people like me, can they? We'll see how it plays out. But I'll tell you what, man, there will come a certain point where I and many others will not be there for you. We won't. If you will not stand up, why would you expect someone to stand up for you? If you don't have the, the time, the energy, the, 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 the fortitude, the willpower to do the hard work and take the risks to save your own life, why should anyone else? This is escalating to one of the most, to, 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 to an absurd degree. It's been off the rails for the past few months. Can you imagine what Nick Cannon is saying? I can, could, this is insane. The things he's saying, they are not unheard of if you've, been, if you've been paying attention. Why don't you go back in time, watch some Farrakhan, see what he has to say. And then you'll go, I get it now. This is what they've been believing and, 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 and calling for for a long time. So you know what? Hey, man, it is a free country. It is for now. So if you don't want to do anything, I guess I can't just, I guess I can't make you, you know, I'll speak up though. I'll stand up. I'll reject this stuff and I'll make sure to fight as hard as I can, you know, within legal context and speech and all that stuff. And when they finally do decide to ban me, then I'll be gone. And that's it. I don't care if anyone speaks up in my defense after I get banned. I'm going to shrug my shoulders and say, I knew, I knew. And I, I, and I know so many people will refuse to speak up because they think cowering and hiding in their basement is the safest way to get by. And it never works. It doesn't. But feel free to do what you want to do. Hey, at least while you still can, right? We have freedom. Stick around. I got one more segment for you coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. I hope y'all are ready for a spicy November. We are going to have a long, drawn-out, broken election process. It won't make sense, and it will be because the Democrats demanded it, but then also blamed Trump for it. I kid you not. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you to Barack Obama says everybody should be able to vote by mail and takes aim at Donald Trump's claims it will lead to widespread fraud. <laughs> How Trump can't say that. It's certainly not true. Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton says the United States must be ready for the possibility that Donald Trump will not go quietly from the White House if he loses in November and may blame mail-in votes. There you go, everybody. Is that their plan? Is that the game? We know Trump's going to win. We know it'll be a landslide. So let's demand mail-in voting. And then no matter what happens, blame the chaos on Trump and say he's manipulating the chaos. You know, you know, you know, mail-in voting. It's so easy to disrupt. And I've gone over so many stories. But what am I supposed to say to this? They're going, we, we definitely need mail-in voting. Donald Trump's going to blame mail-in voting. Well, hold on. You just set, you just set the whole thing up. It's like you, you, you've created a trap. No matter what Trump does at this point, you've set it up so that you get what you want. And no matter what he says, it's going to be his fault. Ah, okay. You know what, man? I get it. It's the name of the game. It's been going on forever. Let's read the first story. Let's see what Obama's on about. Voting by mail shouldn't be a partisan issue, especially during a pandemic. But Obama said, everybody should be able to request an absentee ballot and make their voice heard in every, every election. 
Now, mind you, the New York Times already wrote last month that New York is completely overwhelmed. 65,000 plus ballots are being rejected because of the post office. In California, 100,000 ballots were not delivered on time and also did not get counted. But sure, Obama, thanks. Okay, I know I missed it. I could have said, thanks, Obama. So it was just a tweet he put out, I guess. And that's the gist of it. But I, I bring up the Obama part first because Hillary Clinton has been surprisingly active lately, leading to the same old, same old speculation that Hillary Clinton, she's running. I don't know about that. But is Joe Biden really going to be the guy? Maybe. We got about a month until the DNC and they're supposed to pick the VP. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? I'm not convinced it'll be Hillary. I think it might be Biden. You know why? The Democrats aren't running a candidate. They're just running against Trump. The Democrats are trying to shore up the vote through hatred. Trump supporters are actually being motivated more by fear. A little bit of hatred, but a lot more fear. And again, I said it before, but I'm not saying to be disrespectful. I'm saying Donald Trump supporters are scared about what happens to this country if he loses. They're scared about their freedoms being stripped. They're scared about the potential for the establishment, the cronies to cheat, to lie, to steal from them, to destroy the economy, destroy their children's futures. That's a real fear. And that motivates people because I can run faster scared than you can mad. The Democrats are betting on anger to rile people up, to go out. But the Democrats aren't scared the world's ending. They just hate Trump. Well, that's the point. So anyway, back to the story. Hillary Clinton says the United States must be ready for the possibility that Trump will not go quietly. Yes, just more hatred. Trump hasn't done anything. What has he what has he done? Why are they saying this? Speaking to Trevor Noah on Monday night's episode of The Daily Show, Clinton said she could not rule out voter suppression and foreign interference in this year's vote. And there it is. You see, Newsweek already published a story saying that Donald Trump may claim China interfered or that Bill Barr will claim China interfered in Wisconsin, Michigan, or Pennsylvania. Therefore, we must negate the vote or investigate. We won't make the deadlines. And then Trump ends up winning. That's what Newsweek is saying. It was written by the the founder of MSNBC. Wait, hold on. Now Clinton is saying foreign interference might help Trump. There it is. There's no way to actually deal with this. The election is going to be chaos is an understatement. Bedlam. I love that word, by the way. But think about it. Let's say there is foreign interference. Trump and Biden will both point the finger and blame each other. What do we do? Who will you side with? If there is not a clean election, it will really come down to whose side are you on? Are you with Trump or are you against him? If Trump loses and there's an interference and Bill Barr intervenes, the left will be emboldened. If Trump wins and there's interference, They'll just claim that Russia or whoever cheated for Trump. And this is the proof we've been waiting for. They've planted the seeds over the past several years. So they set him up in every way possible. They say he may blame foreign interference for his loss. Hillary says it may be foreign interference helping him win. No matter which way it goes, it will be Trump's fault. So what is a what is a sane regular person supposed to do? I don't know. Let's read a little bit more. Quote. Well, I think it's a fair point to raise as to whether or not if he loses, he's going to go quietly or not. And we have to be ready for that. Clinton said that Trump's repeated warnings of mass voting fraud, if mail-in ballots are are in widespread use in November, did not stand up to scrutiny. 
There have been so many academic studies and other analyses which point out that it's just an inaccurate fraudulent claim. It's not. She's lying. You see what she did there? This is, this is sophistry. What she said was, there have been academic studies which point out it's inaccurate fraudulent claim. What claim? Not Trump's. Because Trump has talked about fraud, yes, but fraud exists. A guy was just charged and pled guilty in West Virginia. And we also have four people in northern New Jersey who are facing charges. Acorn was accused of voter fraud, no longer exists. And if you do a general Google search, you will find numerous stories. Now, you may say, but those are anecdotal. It doesn't matter. If Donald Trump says he believes there will be fraud and fraud literally does happen, that's a true statement. I mean, first of all, it's Trump's opinion, but this is what she does. This is how they make the, but the analysis said, the analysis said widespread, define widespread. If there's some fraud, there can be fraud. And it only, Trump lost some states by a few thousand votes. There isn't, there isn't that problem. All the games that are played to try and keep the vote down. That's the real danger to the integrity of our election. That combined with this information and misinformation and all the online shenanigans we saw in 2016. She continued, Republicans have two prongs to their strategy to try and win. The first, try to prevent many people who think they won't vote for them from voting. So make the lines really long where young people vote uh, of African-Americans vote or Hispanics vote or African-Americans vote or Hispanics vote. Try to make vote by mail as difficult as possible. When in fact, that is how Donald Trump votes. And everyone who knows vote by mail understands that. Except what's being omitted is that when you have a smaller portion of, vote, of, of your vote being mailed in, things seem to be fine. When literally everyone does it, things get overloaded. I read a story the other day. Through no fault of their own, thousands of voters' ballots were not counted because the post office made a mistake. Is that what's going to happen? No matter what it is, they're setting it up. If Trump loses and there really is evidence of interference, they will say, see, we warned you, Trump's cheating. We told you he would do this. And if he does win, they'll say, see, he's cheating. We told you he would do this. No matter what, win or lose, win or lose. Uh, let's see. She, she said she works with Democratic docket to support lawsuits to make the vote available. Clinton said they're maintained, however, real danger. OK, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up with this point. I'm tired of having the conversations. All right. When it comes to November, I very likely will be voting for Donald Trump. That's where I'm leaning. It's not definitive. We'll see what happens. There's one thing that really changed in the past few months as I've been talking about the need to support the Republicans or Trump. The first is cancel culture in the culture war. If we do not rebalance political discourse, we are doomed. That's why we need a Section 230 reform, and only the Republicans will do it, and there's no guarantee they will. So I will begrudgingly, begrudgingly vote for people who, and on many policy issues I, I disagree with, if they're willing to support 230 reform. There's only one reason, as far as I'm concerned, that Trump gets a major boost in my book. Look, I love the Garden of Heroes idea. I love... Um, I love the idea of cherishing history and those who sacrificed, those who had planted trees whose shade they knew they would never sit in. But we get to. I love respecting the past. And when there's bad things in the past, we condemn the past. But the good things, the heroes, I like what Trump is doing. Donald Trump wants to pull our troops out of Afghanistan. He's been trying. He wants to pull our troops out of Syria. He's been trying. But the media and the establishment, many Republicans and Democrats, have sought to block him. So I made a joke the other day. You see, I was jokingly jamming to a punk rock song, just riding off the top of my head to my friends. And it was the joke was that I sang, 
we must, you know, things like we must end the fascist imperialist state of the United States. We must end the foreign wars. We must end the regime change war, the wars for oil conquest opium. We must end the war and stop the, the, the killing of civilians. Vote Donald Trump. And then everyone laughs. Everybody laughed. That's the joke. That if you were going to scream in anger about all of this, I'll tell you why they want to stop Trump. Because Trump wants to end the war. It's really funny when I see the, 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 the far left. They should be supporting Trump over this one. You know what my position is right now? Joe Biden is going to be the war guy. The, uh, Obama was the war guy. Clinton was the war lady. They were war, 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 war. Blowing up stuff, bombing stuff, conquest, whatever. I don't like it. I don't like any of it. Donald Trump right now, a lot of bad things. But my biggest issues have always been foreign policy because, you know, that's, I don't know, I just, I've always felt like everything else is stamp collecting. We're, we're arguing about budgets and resources. We're doing nation building overseas. Come on. Let's talk about bringing our soldiers home, protecting our country, and then using our resources. Maybe we deploy these same people to do nation building in our own nation and help, help change the lives in this country. Trump wants to bring those troops home. Biden doesn't. Democrats don't. Republicans don't. That's the only thing I say. If anyone asks you why you're voting for Trump, just say, you know, he recently came out and was trying to pull the troops out of Afghanistan. Joe Biden wouldn't do that. He's talked about the need for more troops. And, you know, the Obama administration doesn't have a good track record. So everything else doesn't matter. They say, yeah, but but Trump's racist. Well, you know, yeah, maybe. But uh, we've killed way too many people in the Middle East. And I think it's about time it stops. And so if that means four more years of Trump and he gets it done, you know, at least we'll have stopped killing the brown people in the other parts of the world. That's all that matters to me. I mean, there's a lot more that matters to me, but that's that's huge. We'll see how things play out. I don't trust Joe Biden. I think he's I think he's nuts. I think he's going to fall asleep and do nothing. If Trump gets our troops out of Afghanistan. Wow. I said this before. I was asked, like, what it would take to vote for Trump. And I said, if he appointed Tulsi Gabbard to a security advisor position, Yang to an economic advisor position and pulled our troops out of the Middle East. So that's why I say right now he's trying to pull our troops out of the Middle East. That's the biggest one if he does it. Anyway, that's that's I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then.